Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. So Joe Biden's unprepared for COVID. Seems like this virus is shutting down Biden instead of vice versa. Good old Andrew McCabe, he says Trump supporters should be treated like domestic terrorists as if the MAGA movement were an Islamist caliphate. And the CDC says that COVID isn't as deadly as they said it was, but being fat and unhealthy is as deadly as they said it was. Plus, there's a pilot that's being chastised for not having uh, the right decorum or the right uh, emblem on his uh, luggage tag. And, of course, it said, let's go, Brandon. And we're going to get into that stuff. But first, I want to get into what Mark Levin had to say because he's got a bone to pick with United Airlines for delaying his flight to the bunker this afternoon. Mark is fine, and he asked me to hold down the fort. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Some of you guys know me as Mr. Call Screener. Some of you guys have seen me on Newsmax. And uh, many of you, hopefully, are subscribed to my podcast. This is America with Rich Valdez. You guys might hear me on talk radio. It's my pleasure to be with you guys tonight. The phone number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. And relationships. I want to talk about relationships and a lot of things, but in particular relationships, because they require compromise, right? Imagine telling your wife, you must do what I say, and that's it. My way or the highway? How do you think that would work out for you? Exactly, right? <laughs> for so, some of you are saying, that's exactly what I do every day, Rich. And others of you are saying, man, that wouldn't work out too good. But compromise is a constant in relationships. And America and our government and the relationships we have are no different. But being uncompromising on certain non-negotiables is critical. For example, the notion of destroying America to build her back better. What do you say to that? I could tell you what I say to that. I say, hell no. That's a non-negotiable. We don't destroy that which we love. And this is something that I posted on social media last week because I, I hear too much of, of the chatter from so many people that say, no, we got to bring it all down, bring it all down from economic systems to this, to that, to government systems. They want to destroy everything to build it back as if that's a possibility. And I don't think that it is. And what I put on Twitter was, one does not destroy something that they love. We cannot destroy America so that we can rebuild her better. We must protect and defend the United States from every last enemy that wants to destroy her. We have to plug the holes in the sinking ship. You don't sink the ship and try to rebuild it. You see... The Democrat Party seems to be growing. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Is the Democrat Party growing? Or is it just the pro-crime progressive movement within the party that's growing? My point exactly. You see, the radicals on the left, they're taking over the once cooler heads 
that used to prevail in government, where compromise was actually a thing, and people governed with America's best interest in the forefront. Now, I'm not saying there was a, a time where everything was pie in the sky and everything was hunky-dory. No, that's not the case. There's always been political corruption, and I think there always will be. This existed in the Roman Empire, Ambitus, as it was called back then. I did a whole show on that on my podcast. You should check it out. It was a pretty interesting topic. But it's always been around, and I think it's always going to be around. But the question, like the founders kind of predicted, was that we have to have a society that's, that's built and, and rooted in virtue. Because without that virtue, this is what happens. Corruption runs amok. The seeds of radicalism, they were planted very long ago by lots of different people, not the least of which were lots of different Marxist ad, uh, activists and advocates and communist sympathizers. One of those radicals was Saul Alinsky. Now, he famously dedicated one of the epigraphs in the introduction of his book, Rules for Radicals, to the fallen angel Lucifer. Here's what Alinsky wrote. Quote, Lest we forget, at least over the shoulder, an acknowledgement to the very first radical. From all our legends, mythology, and history, the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. That's Saul Alinsky. So when you put two and two together and you say you have this radical left movement that embraces the teachings of Saul Alinsky, and we see it every day, it's evidenced in almost every headline. For example, so much of what we see today it's the radical left. It's playing everyone against everyone else, playing them against themselves. One of Alinsky's rules that stood out to me was a rule that I used a lot when I worked with James O'Keefe at Project Veritas. Back in 2014, 2015, I ran the national field operation for James. I was his uh, director of special operations. And making left-wing radicals live up to their own book of rules was a big part of that work. One of the Alinsky rules is make the enemy live up to his own book of rules. Here's a quote from Alinsky. Ridicule is man's most potent weapon. There is no defense. It's almost impossible to counterattack ridicule. Ridicule, excuse me. So when Associate Justice Sonia Sotomayor from the Boogie Down Bronx, the land of AOC All Out Crazy, when she spreads misinformation to the masses on COVID and she doesn't face any ridicule, what are, we to, what are we to surmise from that? That we're not making them live up to their own book of rules. Here's another quote from Alinsky. He says, you can kill them with this. For they can no more obey their own rules than the Christian church can live up to Christianity. Now, it's fascinating how he makes these um, comparisons because he realizes that, you know, Christ is perfect. Christians aim towards the perfection in Christ. And it's that walk that people aim towards, that redemptive walk. Yet, this isn't all about religion, right? This is everyday life. And that's how they apply it because they know that people are going to fall short. 
And the left uses that against each and every one of us every single day. The communist knows that Americans want to be left alone to raise our families, to mind our own business, maybe take a vacation or two. And they use that against us. They use it against you. They use it against me, against all of us that don't want to be involved in their statist pro-crime progressive movement. They know that you and me are not on attack mode all the time. We just want to live our lives, right? Live and let live. And that's how they get us. That's why when Pelosi says that, uh, oh, you know, well, making money on insider trading, you know, here in the House, that's just the free market, right? Because that's, you know, in, in, in effect what she said. She's trying to make us live up to our own book of rules because a conservative wouldn't dare come at Pelosi for trying to make money in the free market, would he? And they have perfected this because they study this stuff. And that's why I'm grateful. When I uh, started working with O'Keefe back in the day, he gave me this book and he said, make sure you know this. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd seen it in college, but I'd never really, you know, drilled down. And it's important that you do. And the great one brings that up, and he's brought it up a lot of times. Where, he, when he was in the Reagan White House, that was one of the first things they gave him. They found these boxes of these books that they were giving out to schools, and they said, you know what, we all have to read this. And becoming familiar with these rules for radicals, I think, is critical because you're going to see it in so much of what we see every single day. Just like when we see AOC all out crazy when she blames everything on inequity. They know that inequity gets everybody fired up. I don't have what she has. They're not giving me enough of that one. This is you're against me because of this, that, and the third. It reminds me of a, uh, of a parable from the Bible. Where you know the farmer hires three different guys at three different times of the day and then pays them all the same, and then the guy who came very early in the day gets mad that the guy who came late in the day got paid just as much as he did. And it's that inequity that we all suffer from in human nature that the left uses against each and every one of us. They expect us to accept what they're selling instead of making them live up to their own book of rules we give them a pass and we can't we have to make them live up to their, their own book of rules like the saying goes the best defense is a great offense it's not about punching back it's about punching first throwing the first punch and punching up and i don't mean that physically i'm not talking about violence but i'm talking about figuratively you can't wait till they come at you You've got to constantly figure out how the left's coming to get you because they use the same playbook every single time. And the good news is we have a copy of this playbook. Remember, it's not about punching back. It's about punching first and punching up. Anyway, I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and I am in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for free. 
And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Welcome back, America. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, who was stuck in airline traffic tonight. Uh, rest assured, Mark Levin is well. He's in good health. He's in good spirits. Uh, matter of fact, I saw Life, Liberty, and Levin this weekend. He looked terrific. Looks like he's uh, doing a lot, putting in a lot of work with his trainer, so I'm happy to see that. And um, speaking of Life, Liberty, and Levin, right now on Rumble.com, Mark Levin's clips of his show from last night are number one on the leaderboard. That's what's trending right now on Rumble. And uh, we're going to play some of those clips so you don't have to go to Rumble right now. You can sit back, relax, enjoy the best three hours in talk radio. And trust me when I tell you, hour number three is the best hour of the Mark Levin Show. Now, people wonder, why is hour number three the best hour? I'll tell you why. Because we get the breaking news that's happening in the first two hours, right, between 6 and 7 p.m. And at 8 o'clock, we come in with some analysis on that stuff. We play some of the clips that we've had that we've, you know, ready to go. And it, it truly, for me, is the best one. And plus, the West Coast is welcomed to the uh, to the fold. You get all these new callers and new perspectives. So never miss the, the third hour of this wonderful program. Anyway, the phone number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, we talked about that. I talked about this airline stuff. And I just wanted to hit this because I thought it was funny. The American Airlines uh, uh, CEO and the corporation are now apologizing about a pilot that had a Let's Go Brandon sticker on his luggage tag. So he's rocking the Let's Go Brandon swag and gets chastised for it. And it went viral after a uh, Twitter user um, was responding to it and they were, you know, blasting him for doing it. Here's what they said. Cowardly rhetoric on their crew luggage when they're in uniform. We are the only passengers who noticed and were disgusted, the user added. Now, okay, granted, uh, I mean, you know, they didn't say anything when it was BLM time last year. It was kind of encouraged. It was like, you know, if you want to do that. Now people are saying, oh, stop the presses. You hear the cars brake screeching. How are you going to compare Let's Go Brandon to BLM? Well, I think I just did, number one, but I get it. Intellectually, there are some differences. It's not an apples to apples comparison, and I get that. But it's, BLM was more, right? It was, it was a social movement. It was a social political movement. Let's go Brandon is a, uh, a piece of pop culture, but I guess it's a, it's a political statement just the same, right? One saying, I'm not satisfied with my president. And the other saying they weren't satisfied with the status quo in race relations. When you look at it that way, how are they different? And why are they apologizing for one and encouraging the other? And that's part of the problem that we have with wokeness. Right? Wokeness is just runs amok. It runs into everything. It runs into actual reporting. And for the benefit of the doubt, I'm going to say that Associate Justice, uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor from the Boogie Down Bronx, that she actually got it wrong because she had the wrong information and her, her law clerks had the wrong information. That's what I'm going to say to be nice. right? Because she's a Boricua from the Bronx and I'm trying to be nice. The other side of that coin is that she's a fake, she's a phony, she's a fraud, she's a fugazi. I don't know if that's true, but I can tell you she got called out on her stuff by nobody 
other than the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky. And thanks to Brett Baer for asking the right questions. I want you to listen to this. You, know, you just heard about the U.S. Supreme Court currently deciding the fate of the president's vaccine mandates. In the questioning, Justice Sonia Sotomayor made this statement. We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in, in serious condition, and uh, many on ventilators. Now, we can find from Friday suggests there are fewer than 3,500 current pediatric hospitalizations from COVID-19. Is that true? Yeah, but, you know, here's what I can tell you about our pediatric hospitalizations now. First of all, the vast majority of children who are in the hospital are unvaccinated. And for those children who are not eligible for vaccination, we do know that they are most likely to get sick with COVID if their family members aren't vaccinated. So the most important thing we can do for those children to keep them out of the hospital is to vaccinate them and to vaccinate their family members around them. Understood. But the we number is not 100,000. It's roughly 3,500 in hospitals now. It, yes, there are, there are. And in fact, what I will say is while pediatric hospitalizations are rising, they're still about 15 fold less than hospitalizations of our older age, age demographic. So there you go. Right. So now she had a she had a pullback on that saying, no, 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 that's just quite frankly, it's not the case. So the justice, Sonia Sotomayor, she was wrong. Now, it comes into question, and again, I'm the nice guy, right? You can call me Mr. Softy. You know, I don't need to go to sleep every night and lay my head on a bed made of the, the bodies of libs that I've owned. I, I don't have to do that. I, I believe in, in a, what word am I looking for? A, uh, a conversation. I don't have to destroy the left. We just have to destroy leftism, right? And push it back as much as we can if destruction's not an option. That's my philosophy. Come what may. But this is what we've got. And, and I say that because of this. I remember early on, right, I was doing a weekend show in New York City live. And the, the news about Kyle Rittenhouse had come out and there were some new developments. And I was bringing it as I was getting it from the sources that were available. And if you remember, he had shot all these people. He had transported a gun across state lines, all this, that, and the third, which turned out to all be false. And CNN was forced to go and eat crow at the end of that and correct the record. But I bring that up because ultimately that happens to a lot of people. So that's why I give the benefit of the doubt when it comes to fake news. But it doesn't mean that we can't push back because that's ultimately what we have to do. They lie, we got to call them out. They lie, we make them live up to their own book of rules. It's the only way. Anyway, there's more to come straight ahead. We're going to get to that and a whole lot more. I want to talk about some of the stuff that's happening in New York with Eric Adams. And uh, anyway, keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez in for the great. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for free. 
And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. Welcome back, America. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. Some of you guys know me as Mr. Call Screener. Yes, I'm the guy that is short and curt and abrupt and gets you off the phone very quickly when you call the Mark Levin Show because that's the job. But today I get to talk with you guys and I promise to be um, a little bit less abrupt and less curt in that process. Now, we were just talking about airlines, right? And with the airlines come pilots. And with the pilots comes a lot of talk about planes going down and this and that and all sorts of things. And that's not something I want to get into, but something I do want to get into because I don't always have the chance to speak with, you know, tens of millions of people at the same time. Uh, I got a pretty darn good show. It's the top 100 podcast, but I don't reach that many people like the great one Mark Levin does. So I'm going to take advantage, point of personal privilege to uh, share a story, a personal story. This morning, I did a uh, commentary on Newsmax TV, and I do that every week. And we talked about some stuff, and then afterwards, usually some people that see it on TV, they call me and they text me, and they're like, oh, I saw you, great job, blah, blah, blah. And I thank them. But today, somebody said, hey, I saw you on Newsmax, and then he got into some more personal stuff and said, hey, pray for my boy. His son, a recent college graduate who graduated from college to be a pilot, has myocarditis, and it just happened shortly after him getting a vaccine. And this is one of the um, known and expected side effects of, of the vaccine, in particular in males, young males. And he had a great demeanor about it, and you know, I said, sure, I will pray, and I'll covet the prayers of those that pray. So, and that's what I'm doing. Um, if you're a praying person, pray for my buddy and his boy that, you know, he gets through this and he has a long career as a pilot, but it, it begs the question, do the scientists at the CDC know what they're talking about on Friday's Mark Levin show, Mark Levin talked about how injurious vaccines were to people following the Spanish flu of 1918 and that there was lots of vaccine injuries. And this was a big thing. And it's something that can potentially happen again. Now, that's not necessarily the topic I want to discuss specifically, but it's a point I think that we have to raise and people should be aware of and ask questions, especially when the CDC says things outside of vaccines, just about COVID deaths. That's 75% of these COVID deaths that occurred in people had at least four comorbidities. And we just heard that. But there's more to that audio, and we're going to play a little bit more from Brett Baer and, and Director Walensky. But it, it really, again, I can't escape wondering how is it that we play fast and loose with the science so often? Now, I know many of you are screaming at the radio right now, throwing stuff. It's a plan, Rich. They're doing it on per I get it. I get it. Uh, I'm being coy for the sake of radio. Because I'm trying to unravel, I'm trying to ask some, some rhetorical questions to get to the point. But when I look at this headline, CDC director, 75% of COVID deaths occurred in people with at least four comorbidities. Good Morning America 
was where um, Walensky said it, admitting that over 75% of these COVID deaths had four comorbidities. One day I'll be able to say that word three times really fast. And she goes on to say, so really, these are people who are unwell to begin with. Now, I'm reading from uh, KUSI News. Now, Walensky's comments come after many doctors, including the ones routinely featured on KUSI News, have been saying the same thing for nearly two years. And this piece goes on. As we know, big tech has silenced many doctors and politicians who attempted uh, to calm the fears of those that were worried about COVID-19 by posting statistics like that one. Many Republicans say the Biden administration is slowly starting to change their tune on COVID because of plummeting poll numbers. I wish I could say that's not true. These are these are people that have virtue. They care about humanity. They care about society. But I can't. I can't say that with a straight face. Because every day, Miss Walensky seems unprepared. Every day, Joe El Baboso Biden is unprepared. Nobody fact checks Joe Biden when he says things like, I got hairy legs. The kids, they reach in the pool. They rub my leg. And when, I learned about roaches. Right? You know, you know that clip. Nobody fact checks any of his stories about corn pop. But yet we want to fact check everything else. So I'm, kudos to Brett Baer for asking some of the questions that the rest of the media is forgetting to ask. Listen to this. Speaking of statistics, uh, it seems to make a big difference if a person in the hospital is in the hospital for COVID-19 or with COVID-19. It's been almost a year since you've been running the agency. Do we have that split on numbers? Um, you know, what I will say is it differs by each variant. So um, some variants, first of all, we're doing screening of many uh, um, in many hospitals of everybody who's walking in the door. Um, what we're seeing with the Omicron variant is that um, it tends to be milder person by person. But given how large the numbers are, that we're seeing more and more cases come into the hospital. In some hospitals that we've talked to, up to 40 percent of the patients who are coming in with COVID are coming in not because because they're sick with COVID, but because they're coming in with something else and have uh, had COVID or the Omicron variant detected. Right. But I guess, do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID, but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown? Um, yes, of course. With Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. So she's admitting to this now that fat will kill you being fat. Now, listen, I've been a little rotund in my time. I used to be 269 pounds. I lost 50 pounds on the keto diet, gained back a few of them. I'm still down some, about 218 right now. But my point is, I understand that my weight it can affect my health. And I realize that. And if I get this, this um, cold from hell, right, the, uh, the Wuhan virus, that it could potentially be very uh, harmful. And I think most Americans realize that. That's why people die of the flu. Right? Most people get the flu and they live on, and some people get the flu and they die because they're little kids or they're elderly or whatever and what have you. So it seems that now that popularity has shifted, now it's no longer okay. Now we've got to get to the bottom of things. And you know why it's not okay anymore? Because people were content for a little while. 
People were content with taking their hush money, right? That's the word they like to use when they were, you know, hey, take some money. We will put our thumb on the scale and manipulate the free market to inflate the cost of labor. You stay home. We'll pay you. We'll have employers beg you to come to work just so that you could stay home in the name of COVID. Shutting down barbershops and salons in the name of COVID. Right? Everything was happening in the name of COVID. Right? You couldn't even go and vote anymore. Right? The whole 2020 election. And we're going to do some stuff on the election in the next hour. What a big deal that was. Couldn't do anything in the name of COVID. Everything seems to be done in the name of COVID. Your kid can't go to school anymore in the name of COVID. Well, there's this clip of audio about remote learning from Dr. Ajish Jha. I hope I said that right. And Dr. Jha, J-H-A, he hits the nail on the head here because remote learning, I'm going to venture to say, based on my not a um, peer-reviewed journal, none of that. <laughs> but this is just my anecdotal survey of people I talk to. It doesn't work as well for the entire group of people that it's intended to serve. Listen to this. Meantime, we also have this issue with the schools going on right now. Uh, parents, understandably, are, are having a hard time dealing uh, with remote learning. So many parents have to work. Teachers and others who work at schools are saying, but wait a second, it, we're just not sure that it's safe, and we don't have the staffing right now because Omicron is spreading so widely. How do we handle that? How do we balance that out? Yeah, so first of all, remote learning has been a disaster for America's kids, and I think we have to acknowledge that, and we have to do everything we can to minimize any further remote learning. Look, I understand teachers' frustrations. A lot of school districts did not put in, uh, did not use the billions of dollars that they had gotten to put in improvements in ventilation and, and other upgrades. So the question is, can you still have school in the middle of a surge? And the answer is you can. Because if people are vaccinated, teachers should be all vaccinated and boosted. Uh, if people wear high-quality masks, even without those other upgrades, which I would like to see, it still is safe to, uh, for kids and teachers to be back in school. So I think at this point, there's really no good explanation for having remote schools. Well, there you go. That's Dr. Ja. And I think Dr. Ja, J-H-A, I think he's hitting the nail on the head. And I'm going to tell you, because you combine that with bad policies, even though the CDC has reduced their policies, they continue these policies of segregation. And I'll share a story with you. The last time I was on the air with you guys here at the Mark Levin Show, it was, you know, mid-December, right before Christmas. And I remember telling you, so my kid... Somebody in her class was positive for COVID, and because she was in the vicinity of this kid, uh, you know, sits next to him or behind him in class, she had to self-isolate at that time for a period of 10 days, irrespective of her testing negative the next day for a test uh, for for COVID, right? So when that 10-day ended, she came into contact with somebody else that had COVID. But by that time, they had changed it to five days, but yet the school held on to the other 10 days, and it was in the middle of the Christmas break. So true story, December 17th is when I talked to you about it. And on January 17th is when my kid will be allowed back into school. 30 days on remote instruction. Minus the, you know, 10 days that she was off for Christmas break. How is that in the best interest of any child? Now, I have a good mind to go there and raise hell. But I realize, you know what? I'm so close to the finish line of getting out of the school district, which was once really, really good, and now not so much. I'm not going to name it by name, but those who know how to do math know how to add two and two and make four. And it's a shame 
But that's exactly where we are. And my kid's not the only one that's going through that. Thankfully, she's a pretty bright kid, and she can, you know, she can channel her attention, hopefully, for enough time to get through the remote instruction. But there's a lot of kids that can't do that. There's a lot of kids where this becomes an impediment to their actual learning. And in my opinion, it's an impediment to so many educators who, who lose an aspect of classroom management to actually run the classroom so that kids can effectively learn. Because it's a three-dimensional process, and online learning is truly a two-dimensional medium. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Your calls and more coming up straight ahead. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S on all the social media. And I'm sitting in for the great one. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love free to make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. America, Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And our phone number, if you want to weigh in and disagree or agree or share your piece, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let's uh, head over to the phone bank here. we got some people that want to comment on my opening statement, which had to do with Saul Alinsky and Rules for Radicals and how we must make the left live up to their own book of rules. Let's go to Duncan in canton michigan looks like what's going yeah, on Duncan? Evening, you're on rich. with rich valdez how are you uh, i'm doing good yeah i just I, I don't know if i'm you know dispelling a myth but i, I was telling your call screener i'm i'm a 40 year old democrat most of my friends family are, are lifelong democrats we don't read that book I, there's this right-wing fascination with Saul Alinsky. I hear him mentioned on conservative radio all the time. We don't read his book. We don't study his book. None of his tactics are mentioned. So if that's your playbook to defeat us, good luck. Well, Duncan, if you, if you pay attention, you'll notice that I said the pro-crime progressive movement within the Democrats. I'm talking about the far-left radicals, not necessarily your JFK Democrat or your run-of-the-mill liberal, which there's always been and there always will be. But I'm talking about the party that's in charge now, right? The Bernie Sanders, AOC, Liz Warren radicals. And each and every one of those lives their life by this book. Rich, one, they don't live their lives by it. That's just being disingenuous. Two, How is it they- disingenuous to say that... Every single move that they make, 
you could pull right out of these books. And I pointed them out, chapter and verse. Making them, rule number four, make them love up to their own book of rules. We just saw Nancy Pelosi do that, right? Pelosi says, oh, well, you know, the reason I'm into the insider trading, it's, well, it's because it's, I am, I'm allowed to do that. It's a free market economy. Is it truly a free market yes, economy? Insider trading. All right, when John Boehner was Speaker of the House, did he do anything to prevent insider trading? I'm not talking about John Boehner. I'm talking about Nancy Pelosi. She's the one making headlines today. Rich, I'm bringing up a point. You want to know what the biggest problem that Democrats have with Republicans is? I really don't want to know the biggest problem. I want to know why you try to conflate every Democrat in America to the radical progressive left that's taking over your party. No. I'll tell you, Rich, give me a moment to talk. You get a lot of Republican calls. You get a lot of echo chamber calls. It's funny. The first caller I went to was you, Duncan. That's that's fine. So let me enlighten your audience. Make it count. We don't like Republicans because of your hypocrisy. That's what makes us tick. That's what drives us crazy, is that you will spend all your time trying to point out the fault in others instead of looking in the mirror and fixing your own house. And the funniest thing is, when you guys do that, all you do is drive a wedge between fellow Americans, and God forbid we ever do have to face off against China or Russia. Are you going to stand next to me, Rich? Am I going to want to stand next to you after all the division that you cause? Well, that's a question you'd have to answer, Duncan. I can tell you, most patriotic Americans that I know, they're willing to give their lives for everybody else. And not to mention, this is a majority Christian nation, and the the call for every Christian, love God, love people, right? Hate the sinner. Um, You know, hate the sin, love the sinner. So I think when you take all of that into consideration, there's only one really angry bunch of people, and it's your buddies on the left, not my buddies on the right. We're trying to let go and let God and have a hunky-dory life. But it's you that says, you know what, I'm going to listen to conservative talk radio. I'm going to call in and try and bust some stones, and ineffectively at that. But it's the left that tries to do those things because they're angry, bitter people. And I think you've just displayed that to all of America, so I thank you for doing that. And in that same vein... I want to bring up a point that was made by Adam Kinzinger, your friend from Michigan, right? Another one. He, is he from Michigan? Did I get that right? Anyway, wherever Kinzinger is from, good old Adam Kinzinger, he, um, he was on television this weekend, and he says, you know what? It's the Republicans that are driving the wedge, similar to our buddy uh, Duncan, that believe that we're the ones causing the strife. Ah, maybe we'll have to save that for the other side. Because I think there's so much more to this than meets the eye. You tell me, was it the principle of Ronald Reagan to divide and conquer the United States, or did he unify Americans? Abraham Lincoln, was it to divide and conquer, or was it to unify this union? I think Abraham Lincoln called it best when he said that America would fall from within, and would fall because of people like Duncan, who dared ask me, and I'm glad he did, do you think I'm going to stand next to you if the proverbial substance hits the fan? I don't need to know his answer. I think the proof is in the pudding. There's so many on the left and to the left of the center that don't have our back. They don't have the back of America. And we've got to look past that if we want to save this country. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. I am in for the great one, Mark Levin. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting.
Broadcasting from, from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S filling in for the great one tonight. He got stuck in traffic with airline delays. Uh, making his way from one bunker to another. So you're stuck with me, Richie V, El Conservador, Mr. Call Screener. And some like to call me Mr. Softy as of late because I like to take it easy on the libs sometimes. You know what? Sometimes I think it's better to have a conversation and try to, you know, stretch forth the olive branch, kind of like I did with the last caller. I try to let him get his, his, uh, his take out there because I think we have to, we got to work towards building a unified America. I know. I know, it's not the Richie V that you usually get. I'm, I'm under strict orders from Mr. Producer to be very, very nice to the libs because, you know, we want them to, to continue to participate in this national conversation. And if you want to do that, the phone number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We're going to get to your calls. Uh, but we've been accused of being hypocrites, right? It's, it, he, at least our good friend Duncan from wherever he was from, Michigan, and I said Kinzinger was from Michigan as well as from Illinois, but he said we're hypocrites and that we're putting a wedge between people. Now, I'm going to submit to you that that's exactly why I say these things tongue in cheek, but I really do mean I don't believe we need a wedge. I believe we need to win people over. Right. It was the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King that talked about the beloved community. And it wasn't about, you know, we're going to ostracize those we disagree with. He was fighting against that. So I, I stand for that. I'm willing. Now, I realize that, you know what, guess what? I can make a prediction. I pretty much doubt Bernie Sanders is coming to my house for some arroz con gandule, right? It's probably not going to happen. He's not coming over for, for the uh, rice and beans. He's not. And the reason he's not is because he doesn't like me. He doesn't like the fact that I support a free market uh, system. He doesn't s support the fact that I believe that we are in the best country that God's ever created and that we have a constitutional republic and it allows us to protect our liberties from the government and that the government isn't the source of everything. I don't pray at the altar of the left. And he does. But I'm willing to have a conversation if he's willing to have one. But you know that the great one Mark Levin has invited him on a million and three times and he's always dodged it. You know that I reached out to AOC probably a dozen times and nothing, crickets. Then I saw her in real life, stretched my hand and said, hey, Congresswoman at the Puerto Rican parade, she ran away. Right? And then her, her guy, Corbin Trent, said that uh, you know, I had to run for office in order to have a conversation with her. Anyway, the point is that's how the left operates. They want to accuse us of this, accuse us of that, and we need to make them live up to their own book of rules. That's what Saul Alinsky wrote, and that's what we need to do. But it doesn't stop them, right? you got rhino Republicans like Adam Kinzinger that do the same exact thing. Adam Kinzinger, Kinzinger I'm going to change it up real soon because I don't like saying Kinzinger. But he says that it's the Republicans, in particular the conservative movement, on talk radio that's created all the strife in America. Listen to this. Did Donald Trump reveal what the Republican Party is or change it? You know, I think it's actually a little of both. So I think on the one hand, Donald Trump is a symptom of years and years of leaders, um, you know, profit driven radio shows, whatever, turning the base into this angry, fearful, you know, victimized group of people who are saying, look, oh, you can never get a fair shot. 
you know, as time goes by, you're going to lose more and more political uh, power. Keep in mind, Republicans still won just about half of every races. But then Donald Trump came along, and I think unintentionally, because I think he just wanted to be, you know, that guy, right. unintentionally got in front of a wave where people wanted somebody to blow stuff up. I think it's a little of both. I think they it's it's fed off each other. The problem is leaders have to now interdict this fear and anger cycle, mm-hmm. and they're not doing it. They're instead hiding. They're instead hiding. I'll tell you what, I'm not hiding from you, Adam Kinzinger. Kinzinger. I wonder if you could call in Adam Kinzinger and let us know if it's Kinzinger, Kinzinger. I just don't know. And it's it's just funny. It's very foreign to my uh, vernacular. Anyway, there's something that Mr. Kinzinger said here. Profit-driven radio shows. As if it's wrong to have a profit-driven radio show. We should st- We should do radio for free, right? Because that's the NPR model. The government pays, and then you just say whatever you want to say. I believe they call that propaganda, last I checked. Yes, I do believe we should abolish NPR. But then he says, whatever, turning the base into this angry, fearful, you know, victimized group of people. Or saying, look, you can never get a fair shot. Hold up a second. Do you mean to tell me that you guys that listen to the Mark Levin Show or the other amazing talk radio hosts that have existed over the last 30 years listen to talk radio and you hear that you don't have a fair shot? That one threw me for a loop because I think that's one of the number one mantras that you always hear is individual responsibility, land of opportunity. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. New York, New York. All right, I took it too far on that one. But still. This is exactly what talk radio is about. American exceptionalism, the land of opportunity. How could you say that talk radio, right-wing, right, aggressive right-wing radicals are saying that you can never have a fair shot? Last I checked, that's exactly what comes out of the mouth of every last far-left progressive. You don't have a fair shot because you're black. You don't have a fair shot because you're brown. You don't have a fair shot because you're gay. You don't have a fair shot because you're trans. That seems to be everything that comes out from the left. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you must, 877-381-3811. I think I'm going to win this one because I think Kinzinger's wrong. He's absolutely wrong to suggest that. Now, are there powers that be that want to see division? Sure there are. Are they American? Maybe. Are they foreign? I'd say probably a lot of them. I mean, it's no wonder to me that as we get into these heightened conflicts, especially during the Trump years, because they could not stand Trump because he was doing the right thing. And because he was doing the right thing, they came harder and harder and harder. Now, I don't want to turn this into some whole uh, conversation on, on phony ballots, but I remember Mike Pompeo in his uh, exit from office as Secretary of State addressing that, that there were videos going around of people that appeared to be Chinese or Asians that were printing phony ballots, and these were going all over TikTok and everywhere else, making the rounds on Twitter. And he was saying that, no, they weren't coming from China. It was a fake video that was created by Iran because that's what they like to do. So I find it interesting that Kinzinger... (laughs) (laughs) Take two. Somebody call security. That good old Adam Kinzinger, he says that Republicans are the ones that are guilty of saying you don't have a fair shot. I think that that to me is the height of hypocrisy. That's trying to have it both ways. And that's truly what he wants to be. He doesn't want to be a Democrat, but he wants to sound off like a Democrat. And I think he failed miserably here. Now, Lori Lightfoot, I want to switch gears back to this because we were talking about that. And I think 
it's important to uh, keep things in perspective. When we talk about hypocrisy, whether it's Kinzinger, <laughs> Kinzinger saying that we are, you know, pitting people against each other because they'll never have a fair shot. I don't think Trump's ever said that. Right? Trump said, you know, right now, with the left doing what they do, that it's unfair. Right now, with critical race theory coming out and telling people that, you know, if you're black, you're permanently oppressed, and if you're white, you're permanently the oppressor. And again, that's an oversimplification, but nonetheless true in terms of the way this is taught to many people. Of course, many will argue, well, that's not really what it is. How do you define clear, critical race theory, and what does it mean to you, and blah, blah, blah. Listen, that's what rhetoric is all about. Everybody can get rhetorical. But the bottom line is you can't make these types of phony statements. And when you're a sitting head of any type of government, whether it's a mayor or whatnot, you're going to get called out, just like Lori Lightfoot's getting called out, for creating this problem that she's created in Chicago, where there's school closure after school closure. Every day there's a new school closure. And now she's saying, we got to stop these school closures. When she's Dr. Frankenstein and made Dr. Frankenstein's monster. Listen to this. Are kids going to be in school this week in Chicago? Well, I'm doing everything I can uh, to make sure that that happens. And to be clear, uh, what the t Chicago Teachers Union did was an illegal walkout. They abandoned their posts and they abandoned kids and their families. Um, we are working diligently every single day at the bargaining table to narrow the differences and to get a deal done. My team has been working um, every single day. They're at, back at it again uh, here Sunday. They were at it yesterday. And we can get a deal done if there's goodwill on both sides. But fundamentally, what we cannot do is abandon the science. We know that the safest place for kids to be is in learning in schools. And we've spent millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to make our schools safe. They are safe. So there you go, Lori Lightfoot, another example of a uh, right-wing propagandist being a hypocrite, creating the very problem. Reminds me of Mayor London Breed in California where she said, oh, my gosh, we've got to now get the police to start policing again because these BS policies that promote crime, the pro-crime progressive movement, is killing us. This is exactly what I'm talking about with the left. You don't see case and case and instance after instance of this happening on the left. It just It's not there to happen. You can blame Republicans for lots of things, but that isn't one of them. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. I'm going to get to your calls. Give us a call, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, the host of This is America with Rich Valdez, and I am filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. 
Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And the reason I get into all of this stuff is because, you know, the Lori Lightfoot stuff, school closures, things of that nature, it's because this stuff really matters to me. I mean, quick, a little inside baseball, a little bit about my background. Before I shared with you earlier that I worked with O'Keefe and I ran the national operation for a little bit. But before I did that, I worked in the New Jersey state government uh, for Governor Chris Christie, the only Republican we'd had in quite a while. And I also um, had the great privilege of being part of the, the founders group that started a charter school in downtown Jersey City, New Jersey, the beloved community charter school. And seeing kids that they said, hey, these kids don't have a chance to learn. These kids, because they come from whatever challenges, you know, typically they said if, you know, if their parents didn't go to college, they're probably not going to go to college. If their parents uh, didn't graduate high school, they probably won't graduate high school. They based it on the statistics. And because of the statistics, they were trying to write off so many kids. And in its now 10th year, it continues to prove the statistics wrong. And I think that's always the case. If you do things the right way, you create a system where people can succeed. You allow the free market of ideas and the free market uh, of, of a community where they can say, I could send my kid to a public school or I could send my kid to a public charter school where they have a longer school day where kids are in school nine to five and I could drop them off at six or seven or eight in the morning for before care and for breakfast and, until 6 p.m. at night with the aftercare program. And these kids love being in school and these scholars are top notch. And I don't just say that to brag for me. I say it to brag for them because it's the scholars and their families that really brought about that change. But I bring that up because I think it's so important. And, you know, over the weekend, I, uh, I dropped my kid off because she wants to be a teacher. And uh, she did two years of community college, and she decided she wanted to go away. And she chose Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. And she drove down there. Well, I drove down there, and she uh, rode with me. And it was, uh, you know, it was one of those beautiful dad-daughter moments that we shared where she went and she moved into her dorm and she didn't really ever want to go away for school. So it was a big deal in the Valdez household for, for my little princess to, to go away. And I bring that up because I'm so glad that she wants to be a teacher because that's how we affect change, by getting in the system, by creating a charter school, by getting into the media, getting into the government, getting in, changing it from within, doing what the Democrats that became radicalized on the far left have been doing for the last hundred years. It's what I talked about with Alinsky. Make them live up to their own book of rules. And I can't help but think the same thing happens with these um, vaccine mandates. Everybody's running around saying, I'm vaxxed, this one's vaxxed, double vaxxed, triple vaxxed, quadruple vaxxed. And ultimately, it's not about choice. And it's so blatant. MSNBC host Mika Brzezinski on The Morning Joe Show, she says, or as my buddy John Tobacco says, The Morning Joke on vaccine mandates, she says, if you leave it to the states, we'll have parts of the country 
that are not vaccinated. Now, this is the same argument that they made with guns and just about anything else because they don't believe in federalism. They don't believe in the constitutional republic that we so love. Listen to this. The thing that I find confusing, though, is that if you leave this up to the states, we're going to have patches of the country that are unvaccinated, and it's clear the vaccines work. And it's not that just bad things are going to happen. Those who are unvaccinated die from, specifically, the coronavirus. So I'm having a hard time understanding why they're heading towards striking this down. Well, now, this is interesting because, again, so? So what if there are parts of the country that are unvaccinated? I can tell you, you look at the stats across the world, even the places that have, you know, a lot like Europe, I think they're at something like 75, 80 percent in certain places. When you look at that stuff, it's very clear. Not everybody's doing it. It's not like one town skips it and says, ah, not me. No, thanks. These people are interspersed. So a quarter of their population in Europe is not vaccinated. In the United States, it's a bigger number. And you've clearly got people and good reason for not doing it. People that are constantly saying they're not going to do it. For about a month ago, there was rally after rally after rally in New York City pushing back against Eric Adams, who also seems he's the incoming mayor, the new mayor in New York City. He seems, wow, thrilled to pieces. He loves these vaccine mandates. This is problematic when you have people in government that reject the actual government that we were founded on that don't really care about your rights. They don't care about choice. They don't care about liberty. This becomes a problem across the board because like we say in Spanish, hasta donde llegamos? Where, up to what point? At what point do they start to say, hmm, well, if you're not vaccinated, you can't do this. If you're not vaccinated, you can't do that. If you're not vaccinated and you serve in government and you were duly elected by the people of the city of New York, you can't even take the city council floor. And that's actually something that's happening in New York City. So we're going to get to that straight ahead. But more to come. Your calls and more. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S on all the social media. And I am filling in for the great one. Mark That a copy of the Constitution you've got? Or are you just happy to see? Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, here with you straight till 9 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss Hour 3, the best hour of the Mark Levin Show. Our phone number is 877-381-3811. I'm going to get to your calls this segment. But we were just talking about how... Crazy the left can get. It's unbelievable to me that the left can take things so far that they want to redefine gender. They want to redefine just about everything. And we're going to get to pronoun pins and how gender euphoria is just propaganda in the next segment. But right now, I want to finish what I started, which was talking about how it's unbelievable that the people of the city of New York go and cast a ballot and vote for a member of the New York City Council. And then they tell this person, if you're not vaccinated, you cannot be on the floor. Now, they're going to make their argument saying, well, you know, we have to take the, the health and consideration of everybody into, 
into you know consideration here as we look at you know what we're doing here in the administration of government in the city of New York. But I think, how is it that I could just walk up to City Hall and say, I want to sit in the gallery, I don't know, whatever that is, 10, 20 feet away from where they are on the floor, and I don't have to even show a Vax passport. To go with a four-year-old to buy a Happy Meal, you need a vaccine passport to go in indoor dining. But for indoor watching the government, you don't need that. <laughs> and it just fascinates me that the general public, and again, I'm not saying they should. I'm not making the case that they should require it for everything. I'm making the case that we shouldn't have it for everything. And that you, you shouldn't have a sitting member of the New York City Council being told that they're not allowed to do their debate or cast their votes from the floor of the city hall chamber in the city of New York. Just remarkable to me. But here's the headline, New York Post. Wrong headline. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Unvaccinated Queens Councilwoman barred from chambers. And again, that doesn't even seem verified. But Councilwoman Vicky Palladino has been barred from city hall chambers this week. And she had to vote remotely for the new speaker. Wednesday's vote by Zoom on her cell phone averted a standoff, which could have ended with the firebrand politician being ejected by the chamber's sergeant-at-arms. Now, you guys may remember, for those of you that subscribe to Blaze TV and watch Levin TV, last year during the, um, during the um, I guess it was right before the George Floyd riots, or maybe right after, there was these attacks on monuments and statues, and Vicky Palladino and the New York Young Republican Club, Gavin Wax, and a bunch of great patriots got together to defend these monuments. And there was a video of Vicky standing up to Mayor de Blasio in his face, you know, kind of finger in the face type of yelling. And uh, Mark played that on Levin TV. And he said, we need more patriots like that. <laughs> so it was great to see Vicky do that. And she ran for office and she won. And now she's been elected. But they have a rule. All city council members must be vaccinated against coronavirus to enter the chambers, according to council rule that's on the books. So Paladino has refused to submit her medical information. And then the, they throw in a piece here that says, sources close to her say she remains unvaccinated. <laughs> and uh, she went on to say, a quote from Vicky Palladino, she says, I will not enter the chambers today so as to not take away from her moment. She's referring to the new um, incoming speaker of the House, and she told that to the Post on Wednesday. It goes on about blah, blah, blah. She also spoke with Mayor Adams, and they shook hands and blah, 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 and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the reason I bring this up is because Everything gets tested in New York. Everything gets tested in California. This is exactly what they do. And they know if they can win this one battle right now, they can now, in effect, do it to everybody. And it becomes the new national norm. Welcome to the new normal. You can only participate in the consent of the governed if you participate in the quote-unquote voluntary uh, vaccination, which many argue isn't even a vaccination. But... Different topic, different day. Maybe we'll do it later. Now, to me, the bigger issue here is one of the people speaking, the people electing someone in a representative government, a constitutional republic, and New York falls into that through our system of federalism, and we have to give them what they want to let them do their thing. But it really does beg that question to me. And I say, if, if we allow this to just go... No lawsuits, no protests, no nothing. What's next? Will they now do it across the board? Are they going to force people like they did to this airline pilot who just graduated from college? That's the son of my friend in his 20s. 
in order for him to fulfill his dream and fly his plane. I know what you're saying. There's some critics out there. I, I can be a critic myself saying, well, you know what? If he didn't want to take it, he didn't have to take it. He didn't have to be a, a pilot. Understood. But the bigger part here that I think we're missing is how much control are we going to give to the government? Is it from God that we derive our rights under natural law? Or is it from the government? Do we do what they allow us to do? Or what we're allowed to do and we hold them back with the Constitution? We hold them back with the rules that are on the books. Is it we the people that are in charge or are they the government? And I bring this up a lot because I think we lose sight of it. All too often, every last politician is an expert on every topic. And we do everything that they want us to do. So it comes as no surprise that they say, you know what, let's just open voting. Let's open voting for every last person. Every last person, whether they're a citizen or not. And this is why I think you have to take a stand and you have to move forward on things. But maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, let's go to your calls. Uh, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let me see here. There was somebody that had a good comment that I wanted to get to. Uh, let's go to Matt, caller number four at Stevens Point. What's on your mind? You're on with Rich Valdez, Mark Levin Show. Hi, well, how's it going, Rich? No, um, thank you. I was just wondering... I was just wanted to bring this up. Um, so I hear a lot about how unhealthy it is uh, for children to not be in school, um, but I don't hear a lot about the parents and how, um, you know, this inconsistent schedule, you know, going to school one week and taking off another, and, um, you know, how that affects the parents. I hear a lot about the children, but I don't hear a lot about the parents. Um, well, I'm not following your point. For example, uh, you know, I'm in law enforcement. Uh, my wife is not able to go to work because, you know, some people, they don't have family that can take care of their, their children. And, um, you know, they're unable to afford daycare if the... Uh, if I got the, it. Uh, so you're saying it, it becomes a hardship on the family because... They're accustomed to sending their kid to school during the day so they can go work during the day, make it back home in time, cook dinner, do homework, and live their lives normally. I just, I don't understand why we have to be essential workers, but teachers don't. You know, people rely on them so they can go to work and pay the bills, and it's getting, you know, incredibly stressful. Sure. Well, I think, you Matt, know. it comes down to who's your union president, right? Who's got the most political power? Like I said, Lori Lightfoot literally do did what she was told by the teachers union, created this problem. And now that it's become a, a bigger problem and she doesn't want to play ball anymore. And she's like, no, that's it. You guys are walking out. And it's getting crazy. Now I, we have to have these kids in school. Why? Because her constituents are in her face and they're saying what you're saying. I can't keep missing work. I can't keep skipping my appointments. I can't keep doing this stuff with this inconsistent schedule of they're here today and they're not here tomorrow. And this goes back to what I was talking about with my own kid, who's now going to be out of school for 30 straight days because she was exposed and never infected, but exposed and tested negative on two different occasions. And again, I think it's unfortunate. Sure, it's unfortunate. But that's where we are. So I say, at what point do we... Um, you know, sound the alarm and, and, and show up en masse with the picket signs and vote people out of office, Matt. Um, you have a good point. I just, 
I just don't understand why we have to be essential workers, but teachers don't. You know, the essential workers. The, well, I guess you know, at the end of the day, somebody's going to say, well, if uh, my bank is getting robbed, you know, or if I'm getting punched in the face by a radical leftist or my kid learning two plus two, somebody somewhere thinks that that's not equivalent. And I understand what you're saying. I think it's incredibly essential for children to be ed- educated because if we don't have an educated population in future, our bench that's moving into the next generation, we're screwed. I, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, the education of children is, is important, but it, it's getting to the point where I don't, you know, I, I think I speak for a lot of people. I don't think we can go through this another year. Just to pay, I agree. Pay the bill. I think you're Just right on to, track. I think this is hurting a lot of parents, and it's putting people in a very difficult bind, and I appreciate it. Duly noted. Let's go to Rick. Rick is in New York City on WABC. What's up, my brother? Uh, good evening, uh, Rick. My name is also Rick, so there's no shortage of Ricks in the house. First, I just want to say Happy New Year to you and the family. And I want to remind you as a Hispanic of a saying, a refrán, a dicho. Ladies and gentlemen, that means an old adage just saying that we have in Spanish, and it goes like this. El enemigo, hay que verlo como enemigo. Ladies and gentlemen, in our English-speaking audience, that means that an enemy must be viewed as such. An enemy must be seen for what he is. We're not dealing anymore, Rick, with what used to be called a long time ago with the loyal opposition. We're dealing with people who hate our flag, hate our country, hate the God of our fathers, hate the founding fathers themselves, want them removed from the history books in our schools, and in the final analysis, hate us. Although it is admirable, Rick, that you want to extend olive branches to people, Please remember this grand refrain, this great verdad, this truth. And I love you, brother. Thank you, brother. Well, you know, and I, to that I say, yes, look, I think we have to extend the olive branch. But that doesn't mean that we don't punch first and punch up. And I agree with you. There, there are certain people that are winnable, right? There are certain friendships that you can win over and you can work with people. I, I, for, I've done it my entire career. Lots of friends on the left, lots of people that I disagreed with politically, but I thought as human beings, they were wonderful people. And I've done it for so long that I find it odd that people can't do it today. Since 2008, all of a sudden, it's almost impossible. Ever since Obama came into office, it's almost impossible for so many people to tolerate their political adversaries. But I'd say that's not the system that our country was built on. That's not what those that went through the Enlightenment and informed our founding, you know, John Locke and Sir Edmund Burke and others, that this isn't what they talked about. These were enlightened, educated people that said, you know what, we understand that our rights come from God and we're going to follow natural law and we're going to create this system of government where, yeah, there might have been a duel, you know, once or twice, but for the most part, it was about having the virtue to, to get along and building this consensus and and i'm there now i I get it there's times we're not going to be able to build consensus and that's where we're going to be and i think we're at one of those stalemates now and that's why we have to pick and choose our battles and we have to throw the first punch and punch upward because that's where the enemy is so i appreciate the refrain that you shared an enemy by any other name is still an enemy anyway straight ahead more to come rich valdez filling in for the great one mark levin mark levin
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Mayor Eric Adams called AOC the word police in a little Twitter spat that they had over her uh, contracting COVID and um, having enough time to get into these types of debates with Eric Adams. Uh, she was blasting him back because he said, our low-skilled workers. And it <laughs> almost sounded like Curtis Sliwa. That's not a very good Eric Adams. I got to work on my Eric Adams. Sounded like uh, Sliwa. Anyway, big shout out to she's Curtis Sliwa. But Eric Adams. Uh, we're going to get to him in, in the uh, top of the hour. I want to talk about what's going on with this crazy stuff. Because I actually um, was with Joe Borelli when he announced that he would be filing a lawsuit. And uh, the Republican Party is definitely on top of this. So we're going to talk about that. But I want to talk about something I teased right before the break, which was pronoun pins. That's right. The culture wars continue. And I love to check out the people at Libs of Tip Talk. Uh, tip talk? Did I just say that? TikTok, <laughs> and they're um, they're excellent curators of wokeness. I mean, the stuff that you get on there is just terrific. And there's this one video where this woman is a teacher, and she's you know renamed herself obviously because that's what you do nowadays. You you know you don't say hi, I'm Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on social media. No, you say my name is well. Let me let you hear her. Listen to this. My name is Magistra Y. I'm non-binary and I am a high school teacher. So today I thought I'd tell you a little bit about what I've done and what my school has done uh, to make me feel comfortable out as non-binary at my school. The first thing These is are the people that are teaching your children. And again, that, that doesn't mean every elementary school teacher, high school teacher is Magistra Y, but which looks more like Magistre, but this is what's going on. Check it out. I wear a pronoun pin every day. This works as a visual cue for my students. When I introduce myself to my students, I also... Now I got to jump in again. So it's so confusing to Magister Y that she has to put a tag on herself, a pronoun pin, because people can't figure out if she's a girl or a boy. That's the world they want to live in where, you know, they put on that sticker like when you go to a convention, one of those things, hi, my name is, you know, that's what we're going to have to do now. Walk around. Oh, hold on. Let me identify you. You are a he, him, her, she, him, she, her, they, them. Gotcha. And your name is whatever. Perfect. Thank you. Anyway, check it out. 
example sentences for those students who weren't as familiar with using they them pronouns. So I told them, uh, you could say, oh, I have Magistra Wise class next. They teach Latin. I wanted to have a few visual cues in my classroom to show students that it is a welcoming and inclusive place. So one of the things I did was I put a pride flag on my desk. I'll take a pause here. Now, and just say again, for the sake of everybody in Radioland, right now, she whips out in theatrical, dramatic form this huge rainbow uh, LGBTQ plus, and if I said it wrong, forgive me, flag, and drapes it over her shoulders after she unfurls it in such dramatic form. Was that it? Very, very lucky Sorry. to teach at the school I teach at. Um, they are very openly devoted to diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Those are some of the things that I've done, but what about my school? I use the title Magistra instead of Mr. or Miss, and the IT team actually managed to code it into the system, so anytime my name pops up, it comes up with Magistra Y instead of Mr. or Miss had a lot of colleagues ask me really insightful questions about my gender and my pronouns and my experience and in general they have created a really welcoming environment and I don't think they did this on purpose but my classroom is right next to the gender neutral bathroom yay all right so again I wanted you to hear that because people are actually making these videos and they're putting them on this huge platform of TikTok for the world and, and everybody that likes this stuff to see. And it's not like you scroll through this and it's got one or two likes. These people have massive followings. And it really makes me think, what is going on? So I've got more of that. Plus, we're going to do Eric Adams. Plus, we're going to talk about the Voting Rights Act, what Nancy Pelosi had to say. What are the evil Republicans up to and what are the saintly Democrats doing to stop us? Anyway, we're going to do that. Plus, we have a couple of more items that I want to get to. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. Rich Valdez in for the great one. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And I am sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. Some of you guys know me as Mr. Paul Screener. Some of you guys know me from Newsmax TV. And some of you guys know me from my show, This Is America with Rich Valdez. You can hear that on iHeartRadio. And you can download the podcast of that right from your podcast app on your device. Welcome to the program, 877-381-3811. This is the aforementioned hour number three. Hour number three. That's right, hour number three of the Mark Levin Show, in my opinion, as someone that works on this show every single day, is the most robust hour of the program because so much has been laid out. Just for example, Justice Sotomayor lied and the CDC is cleaning it up. They're cleaning up her misinformation. 
Biden wasn't prepared for COVID. New York City mayor, he says yes to non-citizen voting. The culture wars continue. Plus, RIP to Bob Saget, and that's Saget with an S. So now, will we make the left live up to their own book of rules? Earlier, I talked about Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, a book that I had to read in my tenure with Project Veritas, and I learned a lot. And many of the rules are great. I'm just focusing on that one of making the left, or making anybody, right? It's make your enemy live up to their own book of rules. And they, they use Christians as an example. And this is something that was used by Chairman Mao, Mao Zedong. Uh, this is a philosophy that is cherished by communist sympathizers and Marxist act, activists and advocates. And it's something that we have to be aware of because as you read every headline, there's a touch of Marxism in it. And you just have to know how to see it. Plus, if we have some time toward the end, I want to talk about what's going on with Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. But let's continue. We were talking about the culture wars. Now, with respect to the culture wars, we just heard about Magister, right? Magister Y, if you missed that, too bad. You'll have to listen to that hour number two. If you're just coming into the program, make sure you check it out at MarkLevinShow.com. But I got another one, and this one is from... Gaylord, and Gaylord says that gender euphoria, which he describes in detail in this clip, is actually, this is actually propaganda. Listen to this. So I'm going to say something that's definitely going to piss a lot of people off because I know it's a tough pill to swallow, but trust me on this, I'm like absolutely correct. Gender as an institution provides absolutely nothing positive for any individual. Any euphoria an individual attains because of a gender that they identify as only exists because of the society that they've been propagandized to live into. Stand by. Hold on. So he says that I only exist as a man, as a male, como un macho. Because of the society in which I exist. I'm going to say I have to agree with him, right? Because I would not be a male, a man, un macho, if I lived somewhere else, right? Wouldn't you? You'd be something totally different if you were in a different society. Don't you agree? Well, that's what he's saying. Listen to this. Euphoria is not an adequate reason to advocate against gender abolition. And, like, I totally get it. Like, look, I'm non-binary because I experience gender euphoria in this identity. But, like, I also know that I only experience this euphoria because of gender propaganda that's been shoved down my throat for years. But, simple- like, hold on. But, like, he just made the big reveal. Gender abolition. That is the goal of the radical left. Just like the abolition of so many other things. They want to abolish gender this way they can group so many people as misfits and their philosophy not mine make you into a a big non-binary pool of people that can be pitted against another group of people because that's how the leftist works continue the matter is the extreme harms of gender-based oppression, which will necessarily exist in a gendered society, far outweigh any benefit an individual or community can attain because of gender euphoria. The only end for queer liberation is gender abolition. Nothing else is good enough. There it is, gender abolition. But they also want to abolish the right to vote, right? They want to say, no, we're expanding it. That's right, because I'm going to have my... My little perrito, right? My, my pet dog is going to come and vote. And you name it is going to come and vote. And everybody that's on vacation from overseas, they're going to get to come and vote too. And that's what's happening. I mean, I'm looking at this piece, right? And we're going to get into that because I really want to dig my heels into that. 
But as we transition from one topic to the other, as we go from the left's attack on gender, we see it evidenced in these articles. I'm looking at an article, Outkick.com. Penn State transgender swimmer lost to Yale's transgender swimmer in a hotly contested women's Ivy League 100-meter race. That's a real headline. One transgender swimmer lost to another transgender swimmer in a hotly contested women's Ivy League race. What is going on? Are they only subjected to these gender constructs because of the society they live in? I think so, because I'm pretty sure if I take some of these people and drop them off in many other parts of the world, they're going to say, what are you? Who are you? And I'm not trying to put down anybody for being transsexual. That's not my goal here. I'm making a point based on the statement that was just made by Gaylord. And that's Gaylord with an H, by the way. L-O-H-R-D. At Gaylord on TikTok. He says that we are only what we purport to be because of the construct around us of society. And my argument to that is this is idealism at its finest. He's making his own truth and he can justify his own truth because he made it up. I will be a man tomorrow the way I'm a man today, the man the way I was a man yesterday, not because of society. If I put on a wig, I'll still be a man with a wig. And I'm not, again, this is not a dig on transsexuals. This is an attack on this guy's flawed philosophy. In the same way now, we transition. Good old Mayor Eric Adams. He says that, you know what, everybody should be allowed to vote. And he did an interview with George Stephanopoulos this weekend. And there was a lot going on there. So we're going to play it for you so that you can hear it. Listen to this. You announced last night that you're going to support a law passed last month in New York City, which will allow roughly 800,000 legal non-citizens to vote in local elections, provided that they've lived in New York for at least 30 days. You previously called the bill problematic and expressed concern about giving a right to vote to non-citizens who have only been here for a short amount of time. I think there are a lot of Americans watching right now who might share your concerns and, and also have more broadly questions about the idea of people who have not taken a citizenship test, prepared for that test by learning about the U.S., who haven't sworn an oath to the country, getting to vote. Why did you change your mind and why is it acceptable for non-citizens to vote in an American election? No, I did not change my mind. I supported the concept of the bill. The one aspect of that I had a problem with and I thought was problematic was the 30-day part of being in the country for 30 days was the place that I had questions. And I sat down with my colleagues. I'm a big believer in uh, conversation. We have to start talking to each other and not at each other. And after hearing their rationale and their theories behind it, uh, I thought it was more important to not veto the bill or get in the way at all and allow the bill to move forward. In New York City, just Brooklyn, for example, 47% of Brooklynites speak a language other than English at home when I was the bar president. And so I think it's imperative that people who are So in, what are we going to do, Mayor Adams, just to, to focus on that point? Are we now going to create a society where if I want to pull you over, if I'm a cop and I want to pull you over, I have to, excuse me, sir, what language do you speak? I speak Creole. I speak uh, Hebrew. I speak Spanish. All right, hold on. Let me get you the officer that corresponds with you so we can pull you over because we're going to run our government based on the amount of languages that you choose to speak. What if you speak? I speak three languages. What do we do? Multiple choice? I mean, it's ridiculous. And that's just one example of how, how the, the thinking is so crazy here. 
But let's get back to the voting. To have the right to decide who's going to govern them. And I support the overall concept of that bill. Supporting the overall concept of a bill that says that if you're in this country for 30 days, so if you come here on holiday, right, I'm here for holiday. Oh, we're going to stay another, instead of four weeks, we're going to stay six weeks, eh? Hey, guess what? Now we've got our friends from across the pond that are going to vote for mayor. Now, oh, no, Rich, you're just being, uh, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not. New York City is a huge tourist attraction. And again, that's just one example I'm making. There's so many that we could make. This concept is so incredibly flawed. And I had a chance to speak with the, the people that have put together a lawsuit to push back on this about a month ago. Not about, a, yeah, maybe about a month ago now. I think it was about the 10th of December or around that time. I stood on the steps of New York City Hall with Minority Leader Joe Borelli and a bunch of other Republicans, not the least of which the, the head of the Republican Party in New York, Nick Langworthy and others. And they made a commitment to saying, if this thing comes through and Mayor Adams signs off on it, we are going to sue. And they're doing just that. So we're going to get into that, plus a little bit more audio that we have from the great one, Mark Levin, from his interview with DeSantis, some more audio on Eric Adams, plus a few more things I want to show you. I think we need an extra hour, so I'm going to ask Mr. Producer if he can add an hour to the show. But if not, I'm going to talk really fast. Until then, don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Welcome back, America. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. 877-381-3811 is the number if you want to disagree. 381-3811, the same number if you want to agree. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about this, uh, just put a pin in this topic of allowing illegal aliens, or more, more clearly or better put, non-citizens to vote in an election. Now, a lot of people think, Rich, why should I give a rip what's going on in New York City? Let the leftists do what they do. They deserve each other. It's like, you know, that's what I hear about AOC. Ah, they get what they deserve. You get the government, you elect, yada, yada, yada. Got nothing to do with me. Anywhere in America, you can face this same fate of non-citizens voting. Now, New York City is not the first city to do this, but they are surely the largest example. And this will be the Petri dish, the test to bring this and nationalize it everywhere, to say, no, let everybody's non-citizens vote everywhere. Because this helps, right? Who's got their 
their uh, control structure dug deep into the social work apparatus. The Republicans? I don't think so. I mean, maybe in a couple of conservative communities, you might have some Catholic uh, charity groups where there's a lot of conservatives that are a part of that. But for the most part, social work is a leftist liberal haven. So if there's a social worker in your state, they're going to find a way to get their constituency to vote the way they want them to vote. And they're going straight to Magister Y. They're going straight to Gaylord with an H. They're going straight to those people that want to shut down schools, that don't care about parents, that don't care about the students, but care a lot about unions. And that's exactly who they're going to go to to make this thing happen. They don't care about the sacrifice that people invested and and paid forth to become citizens of the United States. They're making a mockery of citizenship in the United States. And Eric Adams did have one thing to say about that, and I want you to hear it. Doesn't the bill just make a mockery of the idea of American citizenship, though? I mean, this is just for local elections, but does that mean, like, next uh, New York City is going to want non-citizens to vote in federal elections? I mean, and what do you say to all the people who went through the process, the difficult process of becoming an American citizen, studying for the test, swearing an oath of allegiance to the United States of America, who, who now see this legislation just saying, well, anyone who's here, go ahead and vote. Uh, well, I, I tell to I say to them, keep doing it. Uh, you know, membership has its privileges. Uh, being a member of what we call United States of America is a great privilege. And I, I would tell them, keep doing it. Be encouraged. Uh, this is a great opportunity to be a member of this great country. Uh, don't let anything daunt you or take you away from that mission. Uh, this legislation is not going to do that. Keep becoming a citizen of this country. Total obfuscation, right? So he says, oh, this legislation isn't going to stop people who, who want to become citizens from becoming citizens. Nobody said that, Sangano. Nobody's making that case. He's answering a question that's not being asked. This is exactly how the Democrats do. Not to mention, he says, be a member of the United States. How about be a citizen, where you take a citizenship test, where you pledge allegiance to the flag, red, white, and blue, all glory, making this your country. Whatever happened to that? A simple bill like this in New York could set forth a snowball effect on a slippery slope to destroy citizenship as we know it in this country. You think I'm being hyperbolic? Read Sololinsky. We have to make them live up to their own book of rules. We have to throw the first punch and punch up. Let's go to Maryland in Thousand Oaks, California. Maryland, what's going on? You're on the Mark Levin Show with Rich Valdez. Hi, um, thank you for taking my call. I am a conservative Republican who likes to know what's going on on the other side, so I have a copy of Rules for Radical, and I read it. And I have a comment about uh, what Duncan, the caller, said um, when he said, oh, it's a, what did he say, it's a fantasy, we really don't follow it. It's a Republican obsession that we think everybody on the left reads that book. Right. And uh, on the back cover of my copy of Rules for Radicals, I'm just going to read a little. It says that Alinsky's techniques and teachings influenced generations of community and labor organizers, including a young Barack Obama and a young Hillary Clinton. Yeah, but you see, Marilyn, none of the Dems are reading that. And I was generous enough to say it was only the far left that was 
uh, eating it, this up and reading into it. But no, that wasn't the case. I mean, obviously, it's, it's spread because the left is continuing to encroach on what were once just plain blue-collar Democrats. People that said, you know what, I love this country. I disagree with the other side. That's fine. We can have disagreements. You know, I think the last time we saw that was probably during the, the Reagan years, and maybe it started to dissipate during the, the Bush years. But it, it was definitely gone around the Obama time because he, he slammed such a divisive wedge into the United States. Um. Yes, and but what I, uh, my other point was that people on the left are using Solovinsky's techniques and not either knowing it or giving the credit for it. Right, you're right, because it's baked in. It's baked into so much of what they do. It's baked into so many headlines that we read every single day. Thank you, Marilyn, for your call. I appreciate it. This is ultimately what I was talking about in, in the open of the show, is that this is a pervasive problem, and we have to address this head-on by punching first, throwing that first punch and not being afraid to punch upward. It's not about fighting back all the time as much as staying on offense because you know what they say, the best defense is a great offense. Anyway, straight ahead, more to come. Uh, those cuts from Mark Levin and a couple of more surprises that I've got for you. I am Rich Valdez filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Welcome back, America. Rich Valdez filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, we will get to some of your calls, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Nancy Pelosi says that the American people must have every confidence that every legally cast vote will be counted and counted accurately, but constantly shifting vote tallies in Ohio and malfunctioning electronic machines haven't helped with paper receipts. And she goes on these tirades uh, because there's there's debate on, on this from many different sides. And she doesn't care, right? Because for Nancy Pelosi, she just wants to make it easier and easier to normalize irregularities and cheating and make it harder and harder for the rules to be upheld. Now, the other side of that coin is people say, no, what the Democrats are doing is we're trying to create a constitutional amendment. We're trying to to fix voting so that people have a right to vote. I say, er, hold on a second. Americans don't have a right to vote. 
Are you kidding? Of course they do. Every citizen has a right to vote. Now, it, it can become debatable as of late that we should be able to vote from our cell phone. We should be able to vote through mail-in ballot. We should be able to vote, you know, while I'm scrolling on Facebook. Oh, is today election day? Oh, bing! Okay, I just voted. No, I don't think so. Now, people want to be progressive and suggest such things, but that's where we are. Now, and this is why I got to give a lot of credit to the great one, Mark Levin, not only for the great show that he puts together, but uh, the great book that he puts out. And people say, oh, well, that's very hypocritical of you, Rich. You're one of those hypocritical Republicans because you just said the Dems are reading Saul Alinsky. Well, all of you uh, right wing nuts, you guys are all reading Levin. Guilty as charged. Yes, I am. The only difference is Levin is preaching Americanism. He's preaching liberty. He's preaching about the free markets, about individual responsibility and one's personal choice. He's not using the state or the government or any tax dollar to advance any agenda other than oneself doing what oneself feels they should do by the rights given to them by God the Creator. That is a stark difference. And if you missed Life, Liberty, and Live In on the Fox News channel this weekend, you missed out on an excellent monologue. And we got a couple of clips. Uh, we may not get to them all, but I don't want you to miss this first one that I've got. Because Mark lays it out and he says, we will have a worse challenge if we do not stop the American Marxist movement. Listen to this. Now, everybody's hopeful that the new year will have new things, that it will be a better year, a freer year, a happier year. But I'm here to tell you, unless we stop the Democrat Party and the American Marxist movement, the only change will be change that is worse, not better. Look at this January 6th event. Look how the Washington establishment, the media, the Democrat Party, uh, Democrats in Congress, academia and all have all joined together. The same uh, organizations, the same people that pushed Russia collusion, the same organizations, the same people that pushed impeachments and coups and tried to to delegitimize the former president, President Trump, and tried to destroy uh, his presidency. Now they're telling us that January 6th is the greatest threat and was the greatest threat to America since the Civil War. Of course, that's a flat-out lie. The greatest threat to America is the Democrat Party, whether it's slavery or segregation, whether it's Jim Crow, whether it's what they call democratic socialism or what is really American Marxism. They want to destroy and nationalize our electoral system so they can turn the whole country into California and Republicans can never win. As I speak, the border is wide open. Two million illegal aliens have come across. Massive amounts of fentanyl have come across. That is the greatest threat to young people in this country, not the COVID virus. What else have they done? They've destroyed the nation's finances. They want to eliminate the capitalist system and replace it with some kind of a socialist system. They want to centralize government, even though our Constitution is set up as a federalist system to divide power to protect us. And the whole focus of the revolution, the whole focus of the Declaration is on unalienable rights of the individual, the Bill of Rights. The rights of the individual and the whole focus on Biden and the Democrats and the media is against the individual. If you have a different viewpoint, you dare not mention it in the classroom today. You dare not mention it on social media. You will be censored. You will be banned. You will be destroyed. That's the nature of totalitarian regimes, not Americanism. 100 percent right. Not because he's the great one and he said it, but because it's all factual. That is the nature of a totalitarian regime. And we've never seen people flexing like totalitarians until recently. 
Now, I know there's people out there who say, yeah, until Trump came, there's just no proof for it. Trump never flexed like a dictator. And that's just the truth. He stepped aside on a million different issues. And, and that's just, just a matter of the record. But Nancy Pelosi responds to all of these things, right? Not, you know, directly, but indirectly. Because she says that January 6th wasn't about conspiracy theories. It was about the Constitution. She says that her colleagues, they don't talk about this as a conspiracy theory. They talk about it because it's about the Constitution of the United States. George Bush and Dick Cheney were the elected vice president and president in the United States. And she thinks that objecting to them when they ran back then, that would be overruled. And it's never been about that. It's always been about the fundamental principle of the legitimacy of our electoral process. Doesn't Nancy Pelosi sound like Mark Levin when she says that? (laughs) Doesn't she? And you know why? Because she's making us live up to our own book of rules. She knows that if she gives us an answer that we're going to like the way it sounds, that we can't argue back. We say, oh, sorry, Nancy Labruja Pelosi. I got to go with what you said because you said it's all about the Constitution. Because she tells the truth every now and again while she's sprinkling in her lies. And that's just how they decide to do what they do. That's how the left follows the rules for radicals. But I promised you I'd get to your calls, and this is the most action-packed hour of the Mark Levin Show. I told you, look, we've got halfway through this segment, one segment to go. We need a fourth hour, and we need it stat. But let's go to Paul, South Carolina. He's a trucker. He's on the road. What's going on, Paul? You're on with Rich Valdez, Mark Levin Show. Doing good, brother. Hey, Rich. How you doing, my friend? I'm listening. You know, you this interviewer that said uh, legal non-citizen. <laughs> what a joke. Yeah. Let's just call it for what it is. Uh, illegal immigrants. We have a statute, the federal, you know, federal United States statute called illegal immigrants. And this is the Democrats' plan all along. Let's get a big city, legalize illegal immigrants on city local uh, events, votes, elections. And um, let's see how it goes. You know I they're not going to be able to tell them right. apart when the federal election comes in. Newsom's about ready to legalize health care for all illegal immigrants. Well, that what? seems to be the aim of the left is to legalize and institutionalize whatever it is that they feel like doing, irrespective of what the Constitution dictates. But I think you're on track, Paul. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. I want to move on because we got some other people in here. Uh, this is, I believe, what Mark would call an irregular American. Let's get to Bruce in Memphis, Tennessee. What's going on, Bruce? Well, let's talk about the Constitution. I believe the Constitution uh, gives states the authority and the right to set rules and regulations as to how elections and voting is run. State legislation. Seems to me, seems to me that the Voting Rights Bill tries to take some of these rights into the federal government. I want to know why all Republicans, in fact, why all Americans, are not insisting that the provisions of the Voting Rights Bill should be a constitutional amendment, not a congressional bill. 
Well, I think in a logical world, that would be the case. But they know very well that they can barely get it through Congress, let alone get, you know, the majority that they would need to actually ratify it as an amendment to the Constitution. So that's why they try to backdoor it the way they backdoored everything else, the way we saw the elections in Philadelphia and other places where they used lawsuits to uh, work in contravention and work extra constitutionally to have mail-in ballots kind of supersede everything else without the state legislature in Pennsylvania ever agreeing to that. And we've seen that time and again, and it was a very well, uh, well-oiled well machine and a concerted effort to bring it to pass. But I think you raise a good point that if the left was honest and sincere and really focused on the Constitution, they would be doing just that. So, yes, Bruce, I think uh, you're right. The left should push it as an amendment, which will never happen, and I thank you for the call. Good point. And let's see. Let's go to Mariani. Mariani, I hope I'm saying that right, in Manhattan. What's up? You're on with Rich Valdez, Mark Levin Show. How are you, Rick? I'm better than I Glad sound. Glad to hear you again. And that's pretty good. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Long time, right? <laughs> but anyway, um, you deserve a show on your own. Oh, thank you. You can listen to my show anytime you like. iHeartRadio, This is America with Rich Valdez, and I'm on the air on Mark's Affiliate in Philly on the weekends, WPHT. But go ahead. Thank you. Oh. But listen, um, I am against the possibility of having tourists and wins to vote mm-hmm. in any elections here. Uh, now, uh, let me tell you something that happened that probably will help a little bit. Uh, in Puerto Rico, when Donald Trump sent the, the, the help with the money, mm-hmm. all those billions to Puerto Ricans to uh, bring back Puerto Rico from the uh, storm, Yes. Uh, there was uh, Democrats agencies who were stealing the money. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what the Puerto Rican people did, they put one million people in the street, they got rid of those agencies, and they changed the government. We are talking too much. People have to be in the street against those big media, mm-hmm. make complaints, complain, go nowhere. We have to take action. There's no strategy. So we got to do something that really make those people, force those people to change. Everybody here, here was voting for Adams. Everybody knew that any Democrat that you put in power, they're going to do the same. He's going nowhere. It doesn't matter what color he is. The one that is doing things in the Democrat Party, and I don't see the Republican Party is strong enough. And listen to this very carefully. The Spanish people need Spanish radio that tells the truth about what's going on. Donald Trump only have those media talking hate and putting him as a Nazi against the Spanish. So where is Donald Trump's side? We, you need, if you want to win in 2022, you, better, you have to do that now. Yeah, well, you know, Mariani, I think you raise a good point. And again, it's a free market, and that's what we love about America, that if there is a big market and sponsors for Spanish radio, yo hablo español, and I'm happy to do it. But until we get those sponsors, that plan is going to be on, on ice for now. But I will say this, you're right. This is exactly what they've done. They've trashed Trump. They've done whatever they wanted to do. The aid in Puerto Rico was dismantled and disseminated and disappeared by Democrats. And there's no two ways about it. That's why people took to the streets and they demanded change. They ousted a governor. And we need to do the same thing here. Like I said, make 
them live up to their own book of rules, punching first and punching up. Thank you for the call. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Welcome back, America. Rich Valdez, I promised you this would be the most action-packed hour. That's it. It's almost over minutes to go in this hour, and I don't want to miss out on your calls. I'm not going to be able to get to every last person that's holding, but I do want to just share some of your thoughts. we got Tom in Hartford. He disagrees. He says, nobody should vote. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. We've got Sammy in Houston who says that, you know what? We should have a vaccine requirement for welfare. The problem is welfare people are private citizens, and the government can't mandate vaccines for people that are private citizens. So that's a no-no. But I understand the point. And let's see, where's the other guy that I wanted to go to? Gregory in Los Angeles, uh, 870, the answer. Go ahead, my brother. Hello, Rich. Excuse me. Good evening. Uh, Happy New Year to you, your family, friends, and the audience. Uh, A few things. Uh, The left has has, uh, lambasted President Trump from the very beginning before he even became president. So I have something that Mr. Biden, President Biden, has rightfully earned. I, I share this with your, uh, um, yeah, how can I say, uh, call screener, Steve. Yeah, now you uh, wanted to talk about voting, right, in New York City? I'm getting that to that in a moment. That's He's well, uh, we don't President have all Biden, night. the illegal alien invasion president. Okay, here's the second thing about voting. Regarding that, I do not support it at all, not at all. You don't give voting rights to people that are not legally here. So, uh, that's it. They don't like it. Tough nuts. Yeah, that's not how you, that. how you do tough things. Tough nuggies yeah. for you. I totally agree with that. Thank you, Gregory. Appreciate the call. Let's go to one of my favorite callers in the world, Jimmy from Brooklyn with two minutes. Yes, the leader, the Soviet-trained and controlled leader of the American Communist Party years ago said the best way to help the cause of communism is through the liberal wing of a Democratic Party. Also today, John Bolton said on your station, on the John Castamiti show, John Bolton said Putin is trying to bring back the Soviet Union. So we've come full circle. This is amazing stuff happening. What is the plan of the communists? Here's what they write. The ideological erosion of the bourgeois order at every level, economic, political, cultural, and social, would precede the initiation of direct frontal assaults on the state. And that's That's what what they're doing. You see Putin do that right now 
with uh, his invasion. They thought he was going to go to Crimea again or go to Ukraine. Now he's uh, about to do his thing in Kazakhstan. It's it's an unrelenting attack, and not just because they're Russians, but because this is what they do. And when they perceive and sense the weakness from Blinken and others, Blinken doesn't even show up. He sends his number two, and then uh, they give it to him, and they say that Americans have been colonialists since day one. Right. For their entire existence, they pretty much spit in his face. So I think you're right. They're doing what they've always done. They're doing what good commies do. And we're not doing what good Americans typically do. And that's the problem, Jimmy. And, and the communists and Putin and them, they're not only watching uh, Biden. They know Biden. They hope put him in office. They're watching the reaction to Biden. And they have no respect for the American leadership, the conservatives, anybody. They all missed what's going on. We are in big trouble more than people understand. I agree. We are in big trouble. And Biden's over there and he's he, he, he's figuratively waving the white flag by doing absolutely nothing and focusing on the woke issues that are of no consequence or at least no importance of major consequence, but no importance to what's going on in America. We've got Supreme Court justices rewriting history, rewriting the facts, not getting fact checked. And all of this goes while Eric Adams is deciding to allow non-citizens to vote 800,000 people in New York, and that's going to spread like wildfire if it's not stopped. So kudos to uh, Minority Leader Borelli and everybody that stepped up in that, single, in, in that fight and every other fight that we're having. Because I always say that we have to stand for something, right? It's a quote from Hamilton, because if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. And Sir Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you and everybody listening right now, to sit there and do nothing. Everybody has to step up and do their part. We can't let the Solinskyites that are out there make us live up to their book of rules. We've got to make them live up to their own book of rules. We've got to have the best defense, which is a good offense. We've got to throw that first punch, punch upward, and do what we got to do. Again, peacefully, right? Peacefully. Fiery, but peaceful. Anyway, hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez. I've been here with you tonight. In for the great one, Mark Levin. Adios.